the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A shocking announcement that came right after we went off the air on Friday afternoon. And then all weekend, the whole world was talking about it. A number of people totally gobsocked by this stunning announcement. And it's from North Korea. No, not an announcement about some new rocket test or some new large bomb or the long dong missile that they were working on or any of this stuff. An announcement by Kim Jong-un that, number one, they were immediately suspending their testing program for missiles and for nuclear bombs. Number two, that they would actually close their testing facility. And number three, they wanted to now devote themselves to actually building up the North Korean economy so that people don't starve and they actually have something to live for. And to hear this kind of intention from North Korea should come as a shock to every American who's used to hearing complete insanity from the regime. So my immediate desire when I was hearing this stuff was figure out what's going on. And nobody better to help with that than uh, Gordon Chang, who is the author of Nuclear Showdown, which ends up being a prophetic book. It was released back 12 years ago. And it focuses on nuclear proliferation in general and the North Korean crisis in particular. Gordon is a columnist at the Daily Beast. He has worked in China and Hong Kong, and nobody understands the politics and diplomacy of East Asia better than Gordon. Thanks for joining us on what has to be a busy day. Um, Well, thank you so much, Michael. Could you see this latest announcement from North Korea coming, or was it surprising to you, too? It certainly surprised me. You know, and I've been generally surprised for the last couple months. Um, I thought at some point Kim Jong-un would want to talk with President Trump because he needed sanctions relief. But he actually extended the overture um, beginning of March much, much earlier than I thought. I thought that the earliest that Kim would go to Trump would be the end of this year. And I was thinking that 2019 was much more probable. So events in North Asia are moving much faster than I thought. And there is we are just on the verge of a a fateful face to face meeting between uh, President uh, Moon of South Korea with uh, dictator Kim of North Korea. Are we not? Well, that's going to be on Friday and that's going to precede um, the meeting between uh, Kim and President Trump. Now, the meeting between Kim and uh, Moon is the third summit of Korean leaders, but it's the first time that a North Korean has gone to South Korea. And the meeting, of course, between Kim and Trump is the first time that a sitting American president has met a Kim leader. So there's all sorts of of new developments that are occurring that we've never seen. And now there are both promises and promising possibilities and real dangers here. First, what is the best possible outcome of all of this? Uh, The best possible outcome is that North Korea does, in fact, give up its nuclear weapons and its ballistic missiles, both long and short range, 
Also, um, we'd like to see the North Koreans give an accounting to the Japanese and to us about people that it has abducted. Um, and so, you know, the other good thing that can occur is that North Korea and the United States end up with good relations, and we pry the North Koreans from China. So that's the win that I can see actually occurring. And uh, there's some talk that they might actually do a peace agreement, finally, a peace treaty between North and South Korea. And uh, the, because there was no peace treaty in the Korean War uh, 60 years ago, was there? 65 no, there was ago. only an armistice in July 1953. South Korea actually refused to sign the truce agreement. And so right now, Moon and Kim probably will issue a declaration sometime at the end of this week saying that it's their intention to seek a formal end to the Korean War by a peace treaty. Um, okay, so the best is awfully good uh, because uh, I know Kim has already signaled that he is not insisting that the American troops leave the Korean Peninsula. What's the worst? How could this all go off the rails? The worst is basically global conflict. There are a number of American analysts who have been talking about striking North Korea's both their nuclear and their uh, missile facilities and just sort of assuming that the Kim Jong-un will just take it. That's a possibility. Kim may decide that it's rational for him not to do anything. But on the other hand, it could also occur that he would attack South Korea, that the Chinese would come in on North Korea's side. And even if Beijing didn't do that, and they've actually promised to do that in an August uh, 2017 editorial to help North Korea if we struck first, but even if the Chinese didn't do that, we know that certain things are probably going to happen. So, for instance, if we become involved in conflict of some sort in North Asia, we can expect Vladimir Putin to put more pressure on eastern Ukraine, maybe pressure the Baltics. The Iranians, for sure, are going to do something awful in their neighborhood. And China could strike out in the South China Sea or against Taiwan or any number of different things because they think that we're preoccupied in the north. Uh, so this is going to be an issue which we could see conflict in Europe and both ends of Asia at the same time. Which would probably mean a very major collapse of the international economy, no? Absolutely. Um, confidence is fragile. Even in the best of times, Michael, uh, confidence in the economy, in the financial markets, can be broken easily. But especially when you have um, global conflict, uh, then you're going to basically see countries shut themselves off. And we're going to then have a very different architecture for the world. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, President Trump has indicated, and I think many, many people agree with him, that this development really does show that the most recent round of sanctions are effective, that they are um, exerting a toll on North Korea. And this has brought them to the table. Is there some basis for that argument? I think that that argument is actually correct. Um, both uh, unilateral American sanctions and U.N. sanctions are constricting the flow of money to the regime. So, for instance, we have heard Chinese reports say that Office Number 39 which is the Kim family slush fund, is running low on cash. The South Koreans are predicting that North Korea will run out of foreign currency reserves in October. Maybe a little bit exaggerated, but nonetheless, um, it's an indication that Kim could use some money. Also, that soldier who defected, I think, November 13th of last year, uh, not only did he have those tapeworms in his digestive tract, which we've known about that for quite some time. This is a North, North Korean, Korean soldier who defected to the South. 
South. Yeah. Yeah. But he also had undigested kernels of corn um, in his digestive tract, indicating that he was malnourished. And we know that because he was assigned to the joint security area in the demilitarized zone, that he was the best of the best. And so, therefore, North Korea had a real interest in keeping him fed, but couldn't. So there's all sorts of indications, Michael, that uh, North Korea has been severely affected by all of those sanctions. One of the things that I read uh, from a statement from uh, Kim Jong-un is he alluded to his father in what is almost a disrespectful way. He he said that this time we aren't going to have to go through more belt tightening, tightening our belts, meaning, well, in, in the case of North Korea, it's mass starvation. Uh, did you, was that significant? Well, it's significant in this sense, in that um, in the past, under Kim Il-sung, who founded the regime, and Kim Jong-il, his son, um, you could think that the regime pretty much controlled the economy. Under Kim Jong-un, that's not so clear. And the reason is that you now have the creation of a moneyed class in Pyongyang, but also you have throughout the country these black markets where uh, items are being exchanged pretty much beyond the control of the government. And that's a real indication that the economy is now sort of creating its own dynamic and that the Kim regime is having a hard time trying to catch up. This is a result of the Great Famine in the 1990s, where the state withdrew from large portions of the economy. And people, if they were going to survive, learned how to trade things and how to basically develop their own economy without any government interference. Now, the government has tried to come back and reassert control, but not successfully. So that's what I think Kim Jong-un is talking about when he talks about we're going to make sure the economy is good, because now it's a Kim ruler is dependent on making sure that there is economic prosperity. When I'd asked you about what's the worst possible outcome, you had talked about what would happen if the United States thought that we could strike with impunity to uh, against some of Kim's testing facilities or nuclear facilities, and then Kim reacted in an unpredictable and per- perhaps even catastrophic way. Short of the United States uh, actually striking, ordering a military strike against Kim, as, as some of our policymakers talk about, uh, what else could go wrong? Well, I, I think that essentially, um, for instance, we could, um, we could get the Chinese into a high state of readiness, um, even if we didn't order a strike. Um, and then once, you know, you have two militaries you know, at the point where they think they might go to war, anything, of course, can happen going forward there. Um, you talked earlier about uh, problems in the global economy and financial systems. You don't need an actual military conflict to trigger crisis uh, in markets. So that certainly could go wrong as well. And as I pointed out, um, certain bad actors are going to take advantage of a situation, even if it doesn't get to the point of actual fighting in North Asia. So um, once the balls on the pool table start rolling, it's very difficult to predict how any of this will end up. And that makes it very difficult for policymakers to plan. You know, Cold War, in a sense, was um, manageable because we had two main actors. Today, that's not the case. We've got a number of actors, and not all of them are going to act in predictable ways. I, I, I don't have a map in front of me. But um, uh, there is a border between China and North Korea, right? 
Yes, it's about 880 miles or so long. And is there a border? Or, uh, and, but Russia is also nearby. Uh, about 11 or 17 miles, I forget which, but it's, it's a very short border. But it's at a very critical point, Michael, because it prevents China from having an outlet to the sea at that particular part uh, of uh, North Asia. Um, North Korea in 2016, which is the last year for which we have any sort of set of statistics, the North Korean economy grew 3.9%, which was certainly an um, improvement over 2015, where it contracted by 1.1% or so. But that was before the effect of the Trump and U.N. sanctions really started to bite. And I think that Kim has been able to create some sort of economic growth, but he's been doing that with stimulus, and he's running out of cash. So I don't think that he has the resources to continue what we saw in 2016 as pretty robust growth for North Korea. And with regard to China, um, going back to 2016, you have more than 92% of North Korea's trade is with China. China supplies something like more than 90% of North Korea's requirements for crude oil. Some years it supplies 100% of North Korea's aviation fuel. China supplies somewhere between the third and 45% of North Korea's food. So the Chinese, if they really wanted to, could starve North Korea just by cutting off this flow. And to put this into today's context, although China has been better at UN and sanctions over the last couple of years, in the last couple of months, its sanctions enforcement has rapidly deteriorated, and it is now supporting North Korea like in the old days. And this, of course, is bad news for us. Uh, Gordon Chang, it's uh, always good news for us on this show when uh, you can join us with everything happening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.